Hey there, Annie and Julie here. We just wanted to pop in real quick before we dive into this episode and announce our new show name. We're excited to announce that we're rebranding the Investing for Good podcast as the Life and Money Show. Now, this new name reflects the broad focus of our episodes and guests thus far and allows us to tell even more stories about living a meaningful and intentional life by design while also making an impact. We're extremely grateful for your support and listenership as we've grown this podcast and are excited to begin this new chapter so we can bring you even more valuable stories and insights. With that, let's dive into the episode. Yes, I could teach scholarships. Yes, I know how to go through the financial aid process, but I like teaching about budgeting and paying off debt and side hustles and these pieces that were not something that college students were interested in at that time. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, everyone. I'm Annie Dickerson here with my co-host, Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you? I'm doing excellent, Annie. How are you? I'm good. I wanted to check in with you on your upcoming epic family trip. How's the planning for that going? I know you. it's just a, a few months here now that you're going to be leaving on that trip. I know. Yeah. It's the planning, not really much happening with it because it's just so, there's so much uncertainty right now. We want to make sure that we're being safe and that we're also not, you know, going to different places and spreading things around and that whole thing. So we've been, we haven't really planned much. We, we planned out from, we got the summer months booked, which was like the biggest thing, but unless the COVID whole thing kind of disappears by summer, I don't even know if we'll be able to even cross borders because I know some places you can't, you can't cross borders right now. So it's been a little bit put on hold. We still have everything booked. Everything's cancelable, but but yeah, we're booked out, I think, until September, like early September. So from June through September, we'll be kind of on the road, at least initially domestically. So yeah, we're still excited. The kids are still excited. My daughter had her her ninth birthday recently and she wanted to do a world party to celebrate her trip around the world, which I, I haven't really broke the news that we might not be traveling around the world until after <laughs> After Christmas. Right. But yeah, she's super excited. They're all really excited about it. Um, I think just the biggest thing for us too is just having the freedom, as you know, to teach my kids in a way that um, is a good fit for us and, and for my kids and for, you know, not that's, you know, not having to turn in the darn worksheets. Oh, those worksheets. No. I just hate them. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, if you don't turn in the worksheet, you're like guilt from being a bad parent, you know, bad student. Cause you didn't do the work, like all these like negative things. And it's like, really like, it's not that big of a deal, you know? And so it's just, I don't know. We're excited. We're equally excited. I think about that piece of it as we are like getting on the road, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you for that. But the edu- I mean the travel part for sure. And it'll be definitely yeah. even more of an adventure, not knowing 
knowing exactly where you're going to be yes. heading and what's going to be happening. Uh, yeah. So I think adventure is the right term there. Uh, but in terms of the, <laughs> the education piece too, like, you know, I, I was watching my older son earlier playing a video game and I was just in awe of how much he was learning from the game. Yeah. It was like a Star Wars Jedi game and, and he was, it was, he had to navigate this world. So he was trying yeah. to figure out where he was going. So he pulled up the map and it's a 3D map, right? So he's like moving around in the map trying to figure, he's like, okay, I'm here. I have to go there. Okay. So I'm going to take this route. And he closes the map and he goes back into the world and he's like looking around the environment because you got to look and make your plan. You got to make, have a strategy. You got to use the clues in the environment and then you got to solve these puzzles. And then, you know, you got to have the strategy to move forward and then the persistence to not give up. And then you got to follow directions and you got to read and understand the, the missions and all that stuff. So it's like kids these days, it's like they have so many opportunities for, for this like immersive type of learning beyond way beyond worksheets and what we went through in school. So I'm so excited for you and your kids. Yeah. And like how they're going to learn all of this stuff and really retain the things that they're learning when they're learning in a positive way instead of a negative way, right? Positive way, meaning a way that is a, their passion, following what their interests are and learning about the same topic, but in a way that in an environment that really is conducive to really absorbing the stuff that they're learning um, and tying positive feelings to it. So I, I, we're just, we're so excited for it. So yeah, and it's been, it's been fun to hear your stories too, as you've, you know, navigated that world over the last half a year or more. Um, but yeah, we're excited. So well, no one knows that better than our guest, Whitney Hansen, about living, you know, living a life by design and following your passions, creating side hustles and turning them into your full-time hustles. Uh, Whitney Hansen is a financial coach, a speaker, and she's the host of the podcast, The Money Nerds. And she's just such a joy. And on this podcast, we got to hear about her journey. She had sort of a tough childhood. She took a lot of eye-opening money lessons from that, then went on to get a degree in accounting and not fell into more debt than the the six-figure income she was expecting. But she overcame that. She invested in real estate really young. And then now she's a full-time entrepreneur, business owner. And it's just a it's a crazy and amazing um, success story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was so cool to be able to pick her brain. I got the chance to kind of pick her brain on a couple of specific questions that I had about money and budgeting and retiring, you know, retirement financially free and all of that good stuff. Um, but we also got to talk a little bit about, you know, her, her beliefs and her ideas around side hustles. And she brought up this topic that I think, or this point rather that, Everybody, if, you, if you're not happy in your job or you're not happy with where you're at, that, you know, starting a side hustle. And as I mentioned on the show, too, I've done so many side hustles to find the one that fits. But, you know, you got to get out there and you got to try because if you don't try, then you're, you'll never know. And when you know, and then you gave your example, too, of your side hustle, which I love that story, by the way, but you didn't get to the fun part. But that's OK. We'll share that for another another <laughs> episode. Um, uh, and so, you know, getting out there and doing the side hustle 
hustle and just trying it and, and not being afraid to fail because through our failures and through the mistakes is where we learn more about ourselves, And that's what we were able to kind of dive into um, on the, on the podcast, but it was, it was a fun show for sure. It's so much is packed in there. I'm just skimming the surface on a little bit that we talked about, but um, it was great to hear her responses from her perspective also on what she sees with her clients and different things that she's able to help people with. So it was, it was a fun show. Yeah, absolutely. Such an inspirational story and so much good advice and so many good tips that Winnie shares. And it uh, it reminds me of this review we got from Flora462 a little while back. And Flora says, um, the story of these guests on these episodes totally resonates with been wanting to leave my nine to five job for some time now. Thank you for inspiring me to take my first step to financial freedom. And that right there is what it's all about. That's why Julie and I I are so passionate about doing this show and inspiring all of you and highlighting the stories of all these incredible guests that we bring on the show is to help all of you to figure out, you know, what's your next step? How do you get from where you are right now to those goals that you have? And on this show, Whitney talks a little bit about how one of the very first things she did was invest in real estate. So for any of our listeners out there who are curious, maybe you're starting out and you're not, you have, don't have real estate investing experience yet, a great place to start is with our book, Investing for Good. And you can grab a free copy of the book at goodegginvestments.com slash book. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Whitney Hansen. Whitney, welcome to the show. How are you? I am so good and I'm so flattered to be here. Thank you so much for having me. We're thrilled to have you. Now, Whitney, I want to start by saying that I absolutely love the name of your show, The Money Nerds, which I 100% identify with. And I think Julie and I are both total money nerds and proud of it, I might say. Now, I know that through The Money Nerds, as well as through your coaching and speaking, you love to help millennials in particular take control of their financial life, which is something that Julie and I are passionate about as well. So start by telling us a little bit about your journey as a money nerd. What led you to sort of geek out about money and investing and to develop that passion for helping others with their money journeys as well? I love this question because it's very related to how I started my business. So I do speak with millennials and I help them because that's my situation. And when I graduated college in 2010 with my bachelor's in accounting, I walked out with this massive piece of paper that says, congratulations, you owe (laughs) $30,000. And I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. What am I going to do? And it was very intimidating because I didn't didn't have the family support system to help me get through college. So I kind of had to figure it out as I went. There was no backup plan for me. So I knew that I had to figure out a plan to either accept the debt as part of my family for the rest of my life or buckle down and pay it off. And so what I decided to do, I have a weird background all through undergrad. I was a nail technician. So doing manicures and pedicures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my job to pay the bills. And so I had this moment. I think we all have been there before, especially as millennials. You graduate college and you're finally like, I can quit that crappy job that I don't want to do anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? I mean, we all have been there. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to keep working my Nell job. I mm-hmm. said, I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to work by day as a staff accountant. Mm. And between the two jobs and really a lot of sacrifice, I paid off the entire 30000 in 10 months. Mm. What? In 10 yeah, crazy, right? months, you paid off $30,000. You were what, 23 at this time? 21 at that time. 21. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You were 21. You had $30,000 in debt. And instead of most 21-year-olds where they would be like, oh, well, I'll pay that off over the next... 20, 30 years, I'll pay off, you know, the minimum balance every month, you know, what made you really buckle down and you were like, no, I'm going to tackle this. Was it your accounting background? Was it, what was it that led you to really like, I'm, I'm going to tackle this and get this over with? I, mean, I kind of wish it was my accounting background, but unfortunately in those types of degrees, they teach you corporate finance, not personal. And so unfortunately it was kind of figuring out as I went, but the reason I decided to pay it off is honestly, I started to see that debt was making decisions for me. And I know that sounds extreme, but I started to feel even the jobs that I was applying for were kind of contingent on how much money do I make so that I can pay my payments. And I didn't like that feeling. I felt like it was really dictating the direction I went with my life. And I wanted a lot more autonomy. And so for me, that's a hundred percent why I decided to pay it off is I didn't like that burden, that feeling of overwhelm. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think a lot of people who are saddled with debt, they don't even realize that it's holding them back in some capacity of it's blocking their energy and making their decisions for them, like you said. But that's amazing that at such a young age, you realize that and you had that awareness and also you were empowered to say, you know what, I'm just going to go and take care of this right now. So that is incredible. Well, I know you spoke a little bit about your family, but like growing up, were you taught much about money or (laughs) debt or like, I mean, it seems like you were pretty savvy right off the bat. Man, I wish. I think (laughs) we all go through this, right? Some parents, I admire the parents that teach their kids about investing from a very early age. And they're like, you put some of your money into giving and saving and investing. Like good for them. That was not my family. (laughs) So the way that I learned about money was I always knew money came from hard work. My dad was an entrepreneur and he didn't really cope well with the pressures of entrepreneurship. So it led him to some very unhealthy habits, which actually led to a drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And this whole time I watched my mom had graduated high school. I mean, barely 17, got married, super, I'm I'm from Burley, Idaho. It's a really small city. And that was kind of normal at that time. But seeing how she didn't prioritize an education, was a stay-at-home mom, had no backup plan. And then my dad started his business and turned to drugs to cope with the business stresses, it started to get really abusive and just like an ugly relationship. And so I remember one time my mom, she moved out of the house and rented this tiny little apartment in Boise. And for a period of time, we were sleeping on the floor of this apartment. It was six kids in my family. It's crazy. And so seeing that situation, it kind of really triggered a lot for me as a 16-year-old. It taught me as a woman, it's so important to be able to take care of yourself no matter what. Even if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's incredible. Have some type of a backup plan. And so it really motivated me to do better with my finances. And at that time, it was education is what I thought was the secret to changing your life. And so that's kind of why I went off to to college. But my early money lessons were money could be used as a tool against you if you're not careful, Mm -hmm. which sounds crazy. Yes. 
such, I mean, it's a tough, tough childhood to go through. Mm. And with six, I mean, six of you. Okay. Now I got to ask. Okay. Because, you know, both, both Julie and I have multiple kids and we've seen that even with the same family environment, the same, you know, house and parents, those kids turn out very differently. Right. (laughs) And so I'm curious with six of you, you know, obviously not all of you are podcasters and money nerds likely. So did all of you sort of turn out differently? Did you take those money lessons and those early experiences and take them in different directions? Yeah, we are all quite different. So my oldest sister, she went the marriage route, has kids. She has four kids. And we joke that between my mom and my sister, they had enough kids for the whole family. So none of us, (laughs) none of us have kids. My little brother is expecting his first next month, which is super cool. But no, what I will say that it was interesting is what I've learned about like childhood traumas and how this stuff shows up is it's almost once somebody breaks that that generational curse, so to speak, when you keep repeating those same behaviors, when finally somebody says that's enough. And in this case, when my mom said, no more, we're done, we're moving on. When she set that expectation, I think it really gave us all a little bit more options. And so it gave us permission to chase different dreams because you're no longer in that trauma you can start to see other possibilities. And so I do think that played a huge factor in the careers we all are in. We've got a couple in the medical field, one's an engineer, one just graduated high school. So it's really all across the board. Wow. Wow. That's incredible that your mom stepped up and then gave you all this gift of, you know, saying enough is enough and giving you that permission. Like you said, that's huge. And so take us back. So, okay. So you pay off $30,000 of debt in, uh, in 10 months, which is amazing. So then where do you go from there? From there, I kind of did this moment where I was flopping around and trying to figure out what's next for me, working in public accounting, doing taxes and external auditing, kind of hated it. I realized really quickly, I'm way more social, hence the podcasting. I I was going to say, I was like, you, I wouldn't beg you for an account that like, that would have been like maybe 25th (laughs) in my list of guesses. (laughs) For sure. It is for all the accountants listening in. I know you're there respect for the career. It wasn't for me. (laughs) And so I had this moment where I'm like, crap, man, I went to school for four and a half years. I did what I thought was going to be great. Where's my six figure paycheck? Nothing was what was promised to me. And so once I paid it all off, my goal was get this job to pay itself off first. So make sure it has some type of return on investment. And then if you choose to pursue other career options, great. And the career options I was looking into is I was still doing nails more because I liked the, the extra cash and I wanted to boost up my savings and invest. It so it was seems still like a that. fun, seems like a fun thing. And you get to talk to fun people. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. My nails look the best they've ever looked. It was great. <laughs> now they're terrible all the time, but it was a, a moment where I had this realization where I knew I wanted to go back to school for something. I didn't know what, but I thought corporate marketing might be my jam. And I met a lady when I was doing nails that said, Hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody to do some administrative accounting and grant management and a little bit of marketing. If you know of anybody, let me know. It's for Boise State University. And at that time I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm not interested, but I'll go through my catalog of people. And that's when she said this, this thing that changed my life. She said, if you work for a university, one of the perks is you get incredibly reduced tuition. And at this time, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back for grad school, reduce tuition. How, how much is the tuition? And she said, it's five bucks per credit. And immediately what? I'm like, shifting plans. Like we're going back to school. <laughs> five bucks? That's five bucks what per a credit. steal. 
It's amazing. So I went back for my master's in business. And as I was working on my MBA, I was working for a university doing the grant management thing. And it kind of led into entrepreneurship where I started to learn more about starting your own business. And that's really where the business itself blossomed was from learning that I had other career options and corporate marketing, well, would be fun. is not necessarily the only option. Mm. So I'm curious, did you go back to school because you wanted to start your own business or what was the reason? Not at all. The business thing. So at this time I was helping people with money for fun. We'd sit at Mm -hmm. Starbucks and create budgets and get out of debt plans. Uh But at that time too, the only career options in finance was to be a CPA or as you know, become a financial professional in some capacity, Mm -hmm. selling insurance or being a financial planner. Mm -hmm. Financial coaching wasn't a thing at that time. It was really Mm -hmm. weird. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't know that could be a a career path. So it was strictly to go back for marketing. That's interesting. That is so, and so with the marketing, what were you hoping, hoping to do with that? Honestly, so lame. I was in my head telling myself, I was just going to climb the corporate ladder and Uh go as high as I could and make as much money as possible. Didn't matter what it was. That's what I thought at that time. Gosh, you know what? That is just such a thing that I feel like so many people are do, you know, they just, randomly pick something I did. Um, I, I kind of thought about what my interests were. I love writing, but now I hate writing, but I loved writing back then. And writing was my major, but it's what I picked. And I don't do any of that. Now Annie does all of that. I don't do any of it, yeah. <laughs> which is so funny. It's like, here I went to school for that and I don't do it in my life. Um, But it's, you're kind of like sold this idea that, it, and you had said it earlier, you said, you know, I went to school now, where is my six figure paycheck? Like I'm yeah. waiting for it, you know? And I did the same thing too. I went to undergrad and and then I went to law school and, and I mm. never didn't finish. I quit before I finished because I was like, there's no way that this equals this, you know? And so I just, I quit and I never followed through with it. So it's interesting though, that you, you decided to go back, but then discovered, which I love that you discovered something else, which is so much of what you do now and has led you to everything that you do now. So tell us a little bit about how, tell us the next, the next chapter. I want to know, cause I want to, I have so many like little intricate questions I want to dive into, but I want to, I want to get us to that point in the story. So tell us a little bit more about how, so you went to, you went to get your master's, you Mm -hmm. discovered entrepreneurship and then what, what, what happened next? I applied for this program at Boise state called venture college. And it was in a small sense, kind of like a business incubator program. It was Mm -hmm. brand new. There were angel investors involved. There were people that were retired executives that the whole premise of it was, can we get college students to start a business while they're in college? And so the whole concept of that program was get mentorship, get some education and work on a practical idea. Mm -hmm. So I had to come to the table with an idea and apply for this program. And I was so scared when I applied. I'm like, oh my God, like they're not going to want me in the program. I'm talking about financial literacy. Like who cares about that? (laughs) Turns out, right? So that was my, my business idea was initially helping high school students with financial literacy. I wanted to be more preventative. And so I applied for that program, started working on the business model and quickly realized that while some high school students care about money, usually they don't, Mm -hmm. they're not there yet. The parents care a lot, but the students don't. So it wasn't quite as fulfilling. So I kept expanding and testing and just trying different things. And this whole time I was still working with people on the side for free that I finally had my duh moment where I'm like, Oh my God, I can just work with these people. Like, cool. (laughs) And so that's where the business pivoted, but all throughout my MBA program, it was an extracurricular program more or less that I was working on my business through mentorship. It was really, really great. 
And so did you find out like what happened? Did you apply? Did you, I mean, like what ended up happening with the program? Yep. So I applied and thankfully they let me in. (laughs) So Uh I was part of their uh first cohort. And it was really great because that ended up turning into a full-time job later as well. So I was still working for the university, had graduated and they Mm -hmm. offered me the same program that I launched my business in, offered me a Uh full-time position there doing outreach and uh, mentoring other entrepreneurs. And so I did that while I was building up my business on the side. It was super great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something you said, which is about the high school students. That's so fascinating that you had this thesis as most of us probably do that at high school, you're about to leave home. You're about to go to college. Surely you would be interested in money, managing money, figuring out how to grow your money, figuring out what your job's going to be, how much you're going to make. But what were you seeing and why do you think high school students are not interested? And at what point do most people start getting interested in money Mm. topics? Such a great question. I think a lot of the students that I was coming across, the only piece of their finances that they were truly interested in was how the heck do I move out of my parents' house as quickly as possible and or go out of state. <laughs> so <laughs> that was their focus. And it was really interesting because that piece was not something I wanted to teach on. Yes, I could teach scholarships. Yes, I know how to go through the financial aid process, but I like teaching about budgeting and paying off debt and side hustles and these pieces that were not something that college students were interested in at that time. I also think it could have been a, a maybe maybe a little bit of a demographic issue too. So like a lot of the high school students that I were talking with, they had no financial need. They knew their parents were going to cover their finances through college. So they didn't really have to worry about it. And the ones that needed the help don't have the parents that are going to pay for that kind of help. So it was really a kind of a crappy business model. And it's a very unfortunate thing that I see so often with, with younger people. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. Thank you 
interesting. Yeah, we, Julie and I uh, volunteered with Junior Achievement for a bit and we went in the classroom and we supported the students and it's, you know, I think it's such an important thing, but it's really interesting how the motivation varies by demographic, by age group. And so tell us a little bit about like now with the Money Nerds, what are some of the topics that you discuss on your show and what are some of the things that people are struggling with in terms of money? We cover a wide range of topics. So that includes real estate investing. It includes side hustling and trying to figure out ways to increase your income. And of course, it includes paying off debt. That is such a common problem that I see from so many of my listeners is that they just have too much in debt. And so those are the topics that we we cover quite in depth on the show. And over the last year or so with the pandemic, have you seen like shifts a lot of like have the topics changed? Have the things that people are wanting to hear about or the things that they're struggling with, have they changed? They have. I'd say the biggest change that I can note is that people are understanding the importance of a savings. So in a great market, it's easy to say we should invest more, we should save more, but very, I don't want to say very few, but not enough people took that seriously and really capitalized on a great market. And so that's one of the pieces is they have that sense of urgency, like, oh my gosh, I have to figure this out or I'm going to not be able to put you know food on my table. So that was one of the biggest pieces. And the second piece that was so fun to see is how willing people were to side hustle and try different things. And so those are the two shifts that I saw. Okay. So on the topic of side hustles, okay. So I know a lot of people have this dream, right? Of, oh, I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. And they look at somebody like you and they're like, oh my gosh, I can never do what Whitney does. And just, I have have this podcast and quit my job and just focus on this. So tell us a little bit about that journey and how you help people to figure out what a side hustle, what side hustle they should try, and then how to take that and turn it into something bigger. Oh, I love this question. So for me personally, with my own business, I decided I could not jump ship because I'm a money nerd. You get this right. Financial (laughs) security is everything to me. And so I could not mentally jump ship until my income replaced my full-time job income. Once mm-hmm. it did, and I, even then I stuck around a year later because I'm way risk averse, but even once it did, I finally made that shift where I said, okay, I can go all in in my business. It's not a fluke. The income is real. It's going to be okay. And so for me, that was the peace of mind that I needed to make that side hustle into a full-time hustle. But one of the things that I tell people when you're looking into how do I bring in extra money, the best thing that you can do is dabble around, try different side hustles. If you have always dreamed of having a podcast, but maybe don't feel the confidence to start your own podcast yet, be a guest on shows. It's a great way to go. Reach out to podcasters and see if there's something you can do to help them with their job. Maybe it's podcast editing, maybe it's show notes. There's different ways to learn from the business. But I think the biggest thing is you have to put yourself out there and consistently test different side hustles to see what resonates with you. What feels fun? When can you lose a little bit of time and you look at the clock and you're like, oh my God, I've been tinkering in my garage, painting furniture till 11 PM. What is this? That's the kind of stuff that you have to pay attention to. 
but you don't know until you take that action. That's such good advice. It reminds me of back in the day. If you're a money nerd, I'm a total design nerd. And so I did lots of graphic design, web design. And so at one point I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn this into a side hustle. And I remember this clearly. I was like, I have a goal this year. This was like, I I don't know, many years ago. I was like, I'm going to start an Etsy shop and I'm going to make $1,000 this year. (laughs) Like that was my goal. $1,000 out of my designs. And so I started, I'm like, I love the design part, right? So I'm like, ooh, what creative designs can I make? Totes and t-shirts and like um, prints and all this stuff. And I have a blast designing this stuff. And then I put it up on the Etsy store. And then I've got, you know, at this point, I didn't have any, any business experience, very little marketing experience. I just sort of put them up and then I don't, I don't really promote them, but after a while, somebody bought something and I was like, great. Now I got to like ship it to them and I gotta like order it and double check their address. And like, I don't want to do that stuff. So it got to the point where I love the design stuff. But then everybody, every time somebody made an order, I would dread it. Mm. And had I not dabbled in it, I wouldn't have learned that about myself, that I love the design piece. But now Julie's the business, the business mastermind in our, in our business. Now she's like, she's always got her, you know, her entrepreneur cap on always thinking about the bottom line and how we can grow and expand so that I can play in my sandbox, which is the design and the marketing piece. But had I not tried that early on, I wouldn't know that about myself. So that's such great advice. Yeah. And I feel like to dabble. I feel like too, people are afraid, especially women are afraid to go out there and experiment and see, you know, because they're afraid to make a mistake in front of their family, in front of their kids, in front of their peers. Like there's so much pressure. And I did the same thing. I went out there and experimented. I, you know, used to be a bartender. I went to law school. I, you know, did a ton of different things before I came here, but I wouldn't have been able to really know. I think like Andy, like Annie said, Andy, like Annie said, I wouldn't have really been able to know with certainty who I really was at the point that Annie and I met. I wouldn't have been able to come to the table with so much certainty about business stuff or this and that if I hadn't done those things. So I think that's such a, a great, um, Um, reminder is get out there and try. And, you know, you had a great example when you're doing something on the side without fully committing. Cause I think Mm -hmm. that's the thing is sometimes people think like they've got to get out there and they've got to fully commit, quit their job, start a podcast, do the video, do the editing, do the whole thing. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that hard. It can be as simple as getting on somebody else's podcast. Like you said, to even see, are you comfortable speaking? Do you, how do you feel being on, you know, one side of the podcast or the other, you know, and just trying different things like that. So yes, I I just want to chime in there too, because I think that that's such a great point and a good reminder to everyone is to get out there and, you know, and try, try. Love it. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I have a couple of questions, one of which is around budgeting. And this has always been something that even today I think about. And, and even back then, back when I was still in my super savings mode, Mm -hmm. I want want to know when you make a suggestion to folks about creating a budget, how do you suggest making a budget without feeling like you're on a budget? Like what are your, (laughs) (laughs) that's such a great question. Cause everybody always, that's the reason people don't, that's the reason I don't want to do a budget. I do one because I have to, cause I have goals, but I do it in a way 
where I don't necessarily feel like I am, but I'm curious to hear what your advice would be to other people who are maybe just getting into this space and wanting to save and wanting to create that budget. How can they do that and go about it without feeling like they're budgeting? I think one of the best ways to do this is to start with a mindset shift. And Mm -hmm. so, so many of us absolutely hate the idea of being restricted. Like, let's be real. Even though we actually restrict ourselves all day long anyways, we don't want anybody to imply that on us. It's like the weirdest Uh thing. And so what I find is the best way to get started is to just do this little weird exercise called the bank statement exercise. And what you do is it, it helps you start to almost self-assess you print off. Yes. Print. I know we're millennials. We don't have printers, but do your best (laughs) you can borrow your mom's print off the last 30 days of your statement, your bank statement. So this could be bank. It could be Venmo. If you're using Venmo as a checking account and or credit cards, have that all sitting in front of you. And then what I want you to do is assign three different lines. So what are the three categories that you probably overspend on, or you have no clue how much you spend on, write those down and assign a highlighter color to each of those. Then line by line, go through your statement and highlight every single one. And what this does is when you add it all up, it shows you firsthand, oh my gosh, this is me. I'm the one swiping my card. This is on me. And so it forces us to take accountability much better than I love Mint and some of the apps out there. I really do. I think they're great. But when it's just a roll-up number, it's not as personal. And so I love starting there because every time I have a coaching client, I ask them, how much do you think you spend on eating out? How much do you think you spend on Amazon? What do you estimate your grocery budget is every month? And they have no clue. But when they write that number down and then I have them go through that exercise, immediately they're like, oh, I've got a problem with DoorDash. That's my issue. (laughs) (laughs) And you can start to make those changes. And I think it's so powerful when you see that because then it doesn't feel so restrictive. Then you see, oh my God, I'm literally eating my money. Like this is what's happening right now. And what if instead I invested that money and that could have grown over these years? So it forces you to take accountability and it starts to show you that you can have everything, but not all at the same time. You have to pick and choose. And so it's up to you to decide your priorities. That's so funny. That reminds me of this one time when my family and I, we went to Aulani. I think I told you this story, Annie. It's so funny. But we were there for like three or four days and you get these bands, these really cool, Mm. like colorful bands when you go there. And all you have to do at all the different like restaurants is just flag your band. Kids can do it too. They can grab like a popsicle and just show their band and they're happily like clicking away. And at the end of the four day trip, I got my bill and I was like, what? I was like, who charged all this stuff? That wasn't me. <laughs> who stole it my definitely band? was not me. Yeah. And I go through it. I'm like, oh, and it's like, you know, chocolate bar or like, you know, oatmeal breakfast, milkshake, like all these things. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. I remember <laughs> that too. And like day by day, I like remembered every single expense. Um, but what if like, so, so that's such a great way to really bring to the surface. I think like the truth, right. But right. what if you're like, Winnie, this sounds great, but I, I'm so scared of what I'm going to (laughs) find because I shop on Amazon like all the time and I am afraid of what I will come to terms with when I sit down with my highlighter and my last 30 day statement. So like, I mean, is it just like saying, look, Julie, like you can get to your goals 
faster if you do this exercise? Like, what do you, how do you coach people around that? Cause that would be my yeah. thing. If, if we coach together, I'd say, Whitney, this all sounds great, but I, I just <laughs> don't want to face it. I don't want to face it. Like, I don't even want to look it's at true. it. I just want to click my buy now button and just live in bliss. Like, what do you say to that? <laughs> Luckily, by the time they, they reach out to me, they're pretty ready for change. If they're willing to invest yeah. in coaching, they're, they're different level, but if you're yeah. not quite there yet, and maybe you're teeter tottering, you're like, I like this idea, but it sounds really scary. Right. The best thing that you can do is revisit your goals. What are those goals yep. that you have? Yeah. What's your dream life? When you close your eyes and you think about living in this condo on the beach and every day you wake up and it's just solid glass and you get to hear the ocean and you get to see that if that's driving you, you have to face the reality of where you currently are so we can get you yeah. to that next level. And so it hurts. That. It does. Yeah. When I t- tell people to go through that exercise, I usually tell them have a glass of wine on hand. It's yeah. not fun. <laughs> Or two or three or, or two four. or three <laughs> or a bottle, you know, no one's judging. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I like that. That's, that's, I think that's great. That's like Annie. She has her, what is that? What do you call it? Your video, your, it's like a vision board, but it's like in video form and she has all what? her. Yeah. It's the coolest thing. And she has like pictures of her husband and her family and me. I get Amazing. to make an appearance and, and all the things that she wants in her life. And it's set to a really great song and Jason. Mraz, I think. And what is it? You could have everything or whatever. Have it all. That song. Have it mm-hmm. all. Yeah. And yes. um, and it's such a good, I think, way to reawaken the desire to want this enough to make those changes. And so if anyone out there is listening and is fearful, like I am of facing their Amazon account, try this out, try it out because (laughs) I don't have the video thing, which I need to have, but I certainly have a vision board. And it, that's the reason that I have my budget is because Mm -hmm. when I look at the vision board, I know that I can't you kind of can't have one without the other, at least in some small form. Um, so I want to ask you about investing. So I know you talk, you said you talk about real estate on your show. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious, what do you do? Or what was the first thing that you started investing in? Because really, all we all we really know before Annie and I discovered real estate, and most people know is just investing in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that I still remember going to multiple financial advisors and every single one of them told me to buy bonds or to, you know, invest in stocks and mutual funds and all this stuff. And I was like, but I want to retire now, like soon, not like 35, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like not 35 years from now. So I'm curious when you were starting, where did you, where, what, what camp were you in? Did you, are you, did you buy real estate? Are you in stocks? Where are you at? Yeah, I started with real estate. So I bought the house that I'm in right now when I was 19 and was house hacking. So I, you know, had a great, at that time, great income compared to my age, I should say from my nail job, I had enough money where I could get into this house for, I think it was 5% down is what they required with this first time home buyer loan. And so I bought this house and my house payment was a little over 850. And so I rented two of my rooms to my friends and Uh just stayed in the master myself. And that really brought my entire portion of my, my house payment down to 300 bucks per month. And so I started with real estate and then I learned like you guys, Oh, mutual funds are a thing. Index funds, all these different. (laughs) So Amelia, I'm like, I need that. I want to retire tomorrow. So Uh I started to 
invest with a big box firm because I didn't know any better. I thought you just, Mm -hmm. you have to hire a financial planner and that's it. So I did that. And I was investing $120 per month when I was about 19, 20 years old. And I did the best that I could. And then I started to learn more about, you know, DIY investing, which is really my strategy because I'm a little nerdy and kind of a control freak and went into that. And that's where now that I talk with people about real estate, on the podcast so much too. My version of real estate, this is a project I'm working on now, is cash flow. I want the cash flow for sure, but I'm diving into glamping businesses and short-term rentals. And mm. so that's my next phase is I see the potential. I love the idea of long-term rentals. I, I think that they work really well, but it's not as much cash flow. And so I kind of want to dabble with this to see, can I bring in a decent amount of money? And from my calculations on the low end, it's about a thousand dollars per month in profit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing so, that. <laughs> so, yeah. so I just want to clarify something. So you bought a house when you were 19 mm-hmm. and then you paid off $30,000 in debt in 10 months yes. when you were like 21 or something like yep. that. Wow. Yep. That exactly. It's crazy. I, I still look so back and I'm nuts. like, how did I do like, that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is just so crazy. Like clearly crazy. you were on to something, but I just want to, you know, reiterate that point too, that you started with real estate. And that could have probably did contribute to, in some way, your ability to pay down this huge loan that you had in 10 months because your living expenses were so low, yet you were building equity in the home or somebody else was helping you build equity in your home because they were helping you pay down your mortgage. So such a great place to start is real estate. When you think about when, how, you know, getting into all of this stuff that we talk about, real estate is a great way to help you pay off debt. And so that would be my next question is you guys talk about debt on your show. What are some of the ways? What are some of the strategies? Like, let's say someone who's listening, they're like, well, you know, all this sounds great, but I've got like 50,000 or $100,000 in debt. What are some of the first things that they do to start to tackle that? That's such a big question, right? Do you do you pay it down? Do you invest the money and have that pay it down? Do you like, what are your, what do you suggest? Well, now my advice is a little bit different than maybe when I was in my mid twenties In my mid twenties, I would have said, buckle down, do everything you can pay off that debt first. Don't invest, like just go all in on paying off your debt. Now Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit less aggressive like that because I started to realize that even when people paid off debt, there was still a high likelihood that they were going to still go finance a new car. And Mm -hmm. as much as that really pained me, I had to come, you know, my come to Jesus moment. This is going to happen regardless. So the best thing for them is to continue investing, build up a sizable net worth so that you can retire at some point and still pay down your debt. So that's my first little piece of advice for people. And then additionally, I'm a big fan of the debt snowball strategy. I really am. I'm much more of the type of person that when you see those quick wins, so when you list out all of your debts from smallest balance to largest balance, and you tackle the smallest balance debt first, it is magical. You cross that off your list, you start to feel so excited, and then you move on to the next debt. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great strategy. The other strategy that a lot of people, especially that listen to our podcasts, will probably resonate more with is the debt avalanche, where you are paying off the highest interest rate debt first. And so that mathematically makes the most sense. You save a little bit more money, but ultimately neither strategy is good or bad. I think you have to understand your personality type. And ultimately Mm -hmm. the strategy for paying off debt that works best is the one you stick with. Yeah. Yeah. And the one that I feel like something that motivates you, because like you said, it's like mindset, right? And like, that's one of the biggest ways. And if 
paying it off smallest to biggest or highest mm -hmm. interest rate first or whatever motivates you and gets you to that point where you're like, man, I can really do this. And like, I can really move mountains if I work hard enough and put, you know, yes. be persistent at this. I think that's such a great um, thing to remember too. So, okay. I have last question before we move into our impact round. So this another question that I'm really curious about for myself included, but let's say, and, and for a lot of our listeners too, um, especially people who come on the show and people who listen, but let's say that you're lucky enough to be financially free under 40. And mm. do you still save for retirement? Or like, what is that? Because you're already retired in a way, right? Like, mm -hmm. we've got people on the show who are in their 20s. And they're like, yep, if expenses are paid. I'm financially free. So to anyone out there who has achieved that already, do they still save for retirement? Do they save for it? Like, what does that look like? What do you, what do you coach around your clients on that topic? Love that. I think it's one of those personal choices, but this is my own two cents on this. If you mm -hmm. are to the point where you are fortunate enough, you've worked your butt off, maybe you got lucky, whatever your situation was where you can officially be done with work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I would say then continue building that wealth. The more wealth you have, the more of an impact you can make on the world. And so I do believe it's kind of almost our obligation to kick butt with money so that we can then help other people. And so if you are to that point where maybe you're like, I'm good, that's awesome. And that's something you should be so proud of, but what else can you do to continue building so then you can give more? So that's my own two cents is money isn't about us. It's about helping others, but we have to get our foundation right first. Oh gosh, that is so awesome. I love that. I know Annie does too. That's everything. Thick butt that's with money. I love that. <laughs> I mean, this is why we get up every day, Annie and I, and do these podcasts and do run our business and do our coaching program and all of that stuff is because we get to give back and we get the opportunity to make mm -hmm. an impact. So I love that. So anyone out there who's like, man, I've already made it. What next? Think about how you can continue to build that well, so you can have an even stronger foundation to go out there and make an impact in the world. So I love, love that answer. All right. So we're going to move into our impact round. We're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? I started to be a little bit more intentional with my time. As an entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. we have a tendency to work way too much. Yeah. And so what I decided is that I would do a very normal schedule except for Fridays. On Fridays, I take a half day. And on Wednesdays, I don't work. Well, it depends. Sometimes I work on Wednesdays, sometimes I don't. But that was one of the things that I started to do for my business was just be a lot more intentional about checking out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's something that Annie and I have been working on. So hard. Year. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. So hard. Ugh. Our first year in business, I worked all the time. Annie worked yep. like double time over me. I mean, it was just nuts. And we like got paid nothing. It was the pit. Um, <laughs> totally right. It was the worst return on investment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but by the second year, you know, money started coming in and we had a little bit more freedom and we started to set some more limits. And now we're in our third year and we're definitely getting better at that and saying no. And yes. And when we can, we flex, but when we say no, we say no we stick to that. So I love that. All right. So second question is what is one life or money hack? And I'm excited to hear your answer from for this, but what is one life or money hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives right now? I think one of the greatest things that you can do for your own finances is to side hustle. 
And it helps so many other people too, because here's the deal. When you're side hustling, you're learning new skills, you're helping other people, but more than anything, it's teaching you different things and it's really lighting something up. So I think the greatest thing that you can do is be happy with your life. That impacts so many other people. So if you're in a job you hate, definitely start that side hustle because that's where it's going to start to light you up. And when you're a happier person, let's be real. Everybody else is happier too. So it's really in everybody's (laughs) best interest. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I've been the side hustle queen forever. Um, even when I was in college, I worked through college and I got out, I was working at W2 as bartending at night. And then I went to law school, worked during the day. I mean, it was, then I went, was, had my kids. That was my side hustles having kids. (laughs) No, for real. (laughs) (laughs) And but yeah, always, always had something else going on. Um, But, uh, but I love that. And I think that's so true. And it's so much of why we do what we do too, is trying to help people find more freedom and space in their lives so that they can be a better person, be the best person that they can show up as and, uh, you know, impact the world. So I love that. All right. Last question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? One thing I'm doing right now to make the world a better place is honestly taking time off for me. (laughs) Seriously though, Mm -hmm. because what I, as a financial coach, what I've learned is I have to guard my time incredibly well because people are relying on me to really work on their lives. And so I have to show up the best version of me, which I know is so cliche, but honestly, it's by me taking time, by me meditating, you know, doing a little bit of work on the treadmill so I can actually breathe and think. That is one of the greatest things that I have done. And man, I mean, it it really does help other people because it helps me be the best version of myself for people that are paying me. Love that. Yeah, that's such good advice for for anybody listening. I mean, it's uh, when I was younger, I used to think like, oh, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to get the the best job. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. And now I've realized the best, the best way to change the world is to change myself. That's it. Full stop is like, if I can change myself, the way that I think about the world, the way that I interact with the people around me, that will, that's, that will amplify all of my intentions to make an impact. So, ah, so good. Whitney, I'm sure that there are listeners listening right now who are dying to get in touch with you and learn more about your financial coaching and all that you offer. So what's the best place that they can go to learn more about you? The best place to go is WhitneyHanson.com and it's H-A-N-S-E-N, not like the Hanson brothers. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the best place you'll see. The podcast is on there. There's ways that you can just get some free help. If you need a budget template, you just want some information, but that's the best place to go is WhitneyHanson.com. All right. Well, we'll have that in the show notes. I'm glad you brought up the Hanson brothers. I played that for my kids the other day, that Mbop song, oh, no. and it still holds up. <laughs> Does <Anyway>. it? <laughs> you know, I think for me, nostalgic wise, anyway. <laughs> well, awesome. Whitney Hanson, financial coach, speaker, and host of the award-winning podcast, The Money Nerds. Whitney, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was seriously so much fun hanging out with you. You've been listening to The Life & Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life & Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.